Welcome in to PFF's Daily Betting Podcast. Austin Gale here, the host of the Thursday night, Friday morning edition of the PFF Daily Betting Podcast. I'm joined by always Ben Brown, ready to recap Thursday night football. This was, I thought this game started off really fun. Julio Jones was getting involved, Matt Ryan looked good, they were throwing on early downs, and then towards the middle, it kind of got ruined by Todd Gurley's, what, 2.6 yards per carry. It kind of got, you know, some early down carries from Mike Davis from the Carolina Panthers, DJ Moore not getting targeted, and then it heated up in the end, ultimately, before a Teddy Bridgewater interception to Bleedy Ray Wilson to end the game. The Atlanta Falcons win 25-17. to A lot of people had money on the over. I think the rain played a factor in this game. Obviously, the Teddy Bridgewater injury played a factor in this game. I thought this was going to be more points scored, more DJ Moore points, more Robbie Anderson points, Teddy Bridgewater, but we end up finishing 25-17. Ben, what were your initial reactions to uh, Thursday night's game? Yeah, I mean, it didn't turn out too bad, I guess, from an under perspective. So that was kind of the direction that I was leaning basically throughout the whole day. So I was pleased that it kind of slowed down there. I do think the rain had a little bit of an effect. Uh, I think Julio Jones, seven receptions for 137 yards. I think that was like the quietest over 100-yard performance by any receiver ever at that point in time. So I thought he looked good. Unfortunately, the Calvin Ridley injury, I think, obviously maybe is going to have a little bit of a longer-term impact on the Falcons in general. But uh, it was kind of an anticlimactic finish for the Falcons, which is probably what they needed at this point in time. But they got the win. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater returned from injury, which looked you know, maybe a little bit more serious than what a, a – probably actually was which obviously is a good thing at that point in time so I don't know I kind of I enjoyed the game but like I said I'm kind of an underbetter at this point in time um <laughs> but I thought you know props broke correctly for the most part outside of Teddy Bridgewater's interception at the end of the game I would have liked to see Matt Ryan maybe not throw that one other interception as well but I think we went 11 and 9 overall 11 and 9 overall on our player props tool plus 0.65 units my written plays went 2 and 0 I also tweeted out a Brian Hill over r- rushing total that nice. got there as well so i would say three and oh uh you know i got a little bit of the uh, mkf uh action going two and oh as well so overall for me you know i enjoy i enjoy these Love kind of game. uglier games a little bit you know i mean it's just perfection at this point in time so, there's a few uh, things from that i want to touch on i think one brian hill 11 carries for 55 yards the former wyoming back was the obvious best running back in the Atlanta Falcons backfield, yet did not get the same volume of carries as the ageless Todd Gurley, 18 carries for 46 yards and the obvious touchdown there in the red zone. I think he's had, what, seven touchdowns rushed in from inside the 10-yard line. They're giving him the carries in the red zone. They're giving him the bulk majority of the carries, but I am willing to say Brian Hill is the better running back on this football team, and I don't think it's particularly close. I think he has some juice. Am I wrong to say this? Am I wrong to stand for Brian Hill? No, I think it's definitely, uh, I think he's probably an intriguing pickup at this point in time. Obviously, Todd Gurley uh, looked a little bit banged up at certain points during this game, but I definitely think Brian Hill could kind of emerge here. Um, I think he is probably going to look like the better back. And if the Falcons continue to lose, I do think that they're probably going to try and spotlight, you know, some of the uh, lesser known talent basically on their roster at the expense of some of these veteran guys. So I think from that perspective, we could see Todd Gurley even phased out if it's not due to injury. And I think that, you know, I think they're, probably is a worthwhile opportunity for Brian Hill to get some more touches, especially down this fantasy football stretch. So he would be a guy that I think a lot of people might kind of forget about by next, you know, Monday, Tuesday waiver wire time period on your fantasy football lineups. But he's a guy that I'm I'm definitely looking at trying to probably scoop up here, um, you know, if he is available on those waivers. I do think that he's definitely a viable play and he definitely showed uh, some juice for me from my perspective tonight. So obviously I think, you know, he outrushed Todd Gurley on, you know, significantly less um, amount and volume of 
carries. He obviously was much more involved in the passing game as well. So I do think that he uh, could probably be a pretty legit, you know, two or three down back in the NFL if Todd really went down with injury. So I'm definitely liking him from a fantasy perspective, I would say. Before I jump over to the Carolina Panthers side of the ball, I have to bring up Calvin Ridley left this game with an ankle injury, was ruled out, I think, even before halftime, had three receptions for 42 yards. This is brutal for fantasy managers. Everyone is a big fan of Calvin Ridley. He's one of the highest-scoring receivers this year. I don't know how soon he'll be back. The injury didn't look great. I talked to our injury analyst, Mario Pilato, via Slack uh, tonight. He didn't love you know, how quickly he was ruled out. He didn't love how, um, you know, where he was, you know, holding his foot. I think this one might be a multiple week injury. I don't think it's season ending, but I think it might be a multiple week injury, which is obviously good for Julio Jones owners. But I think for Calvin Ridley owners, obviously that's a big blow. All right, jumping to Carolina. Everyone and their mother from the fantasy perspective was so upset with the DJ Moore turnout. Only two receptions, had the 42-yard bomb on third and 17 late in that game. But before that, only had one reception for what? A handful of yards there on six total targets. Like, this was absurd going against Atlanta Falcons secondary that's given up a ton of receptions to other receivers in previous weeks. What was your opinion of this offense? I didn't think they looked in sync. They attacked the underneath way more than I thought. I don't think they got the deep shots in. Was it the rain? Was it just overall conservative play calling? Uh, What was your uh, thoughts on the Panthers offense? Yeah, they definitely didn't look as good as they did a couple weeks ago against the Falcons, but DJ Moore still got six targets, so I do think he's still uh, pretty well involved in this offense. He's kind of been, you know, even last week, I think he did basically like the three receptions, two touchdown bit for 98 yards, so he always maybe will be just a little bit more of a boomer bust candidate, but I do think that he's still definitely a viable option from a fantasy perspective, but um, this is kind of a spot where Robbie Anderson is basically getting targeted all over the field. He had eight targets tonight. Obviously, didn't convert that well. Part of it probably a little bit to do with the rain. I don't know how windy it exactly was there, but, uh, you know, the Panthers deep, Panthers offense in general struggled to move the ball, especially in the second half. I think they only had basically the one field goal. Uh, didn't really move the ball too effectively whatsoever. So I'm not necessarily, uh, you know, selling DJ Moore at this point in time. I do think that he's still um, a wide receiver that I've liked have kind of been on board with both DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson but I do think there is something to be said about the fact that Panthers definitely went conservative there in the second half I don't I'm hoping that it was um, you know more related to the weather situation and maybe a little bit of Teddy Bridgewater actually being banged up as well as opposed to just you know them kind of clamming up or you know turning into you know a less aggressive version of themselves but I think they tried to go about you know that aggressive play calling in other ways where they you know basically went for that punt fake punt option that you know converted the fourth down play and stuff like that so i'm mm-hmm. not you know i'm not too willing to actually sell um you know the panthers on this particular performance i do know you know just in general from a matchup perspective obviously people want to see you perform well against the falcons who are some classify as you know the worst one of the worst defenses in the nfl our opponent adjusted grades don't necessarily have them that bad um so i don't necessarily think it's a situation where you're basically going to sell everybody on the panthers because of one letdown in a spot where you would consider them to actually have done good because it's just kind of the nature of fantasy yeah. at this point in time so i think teddy bridgewater put together a good performance he's been kind of a fantasy relevant starter at the quarterback position what killed him obviously the injury sat out a handful of plays took three sacks and then late game pick that had right. kind of a big blow on his um fantasy performance because he also had five carries for 30 yards finished 15 of 23 for 176 yards and that touchdown to curtis samuel i will say this if you're playing fantasy football in a redraft league 10 10 teams 12 teams you're playing with some family members maybe one of them went to ohio state 
sell high on Curtis Samuel because he's not gonna he's not gonna get volume. He's not gonna have fantasy performances like this a ton. He had a rushing touchdown in this game along with 23 rushing yards, and he also had four receptions for 31 yards and a touchdown as well, including a 29 yeah. yard reception on that touchdown. I think sell high on Curtis Samuel if you can find a buyer. I doubt you can, but again, if you have think- some of those former Ohio State you know uh, college um, people, maybe you get in on that. Yeah, I would agree because I think, you know, especially when Christian McCaffrey gets back, Curtis Samuel is basically that low depth of target um, option, you know, kind of as a fill-in for Christian McCaffrey. I know Mike Davis is definitely involved as a reception back, um, but I do think that, you know, a lot of those targets that they funneled to Curtis Samuel with Christian McCaffrey are definitely going to go back in McCaffrey's wheelhouse when he returns from injury basically next week. So um, from that perspective, I would definitely be, you know, fading Curtis Samuel from a player props perspective. I didn't mention that on the live stream tonight. I was probably... I said, you know, I don't mind going under his yardage total tonight. His receptions are obviously a little bit dicey with how low his average depth of target is. He can turn, you know, five targets into four receptions and get over his reception prop pretty easily, but he's still not going over his yardage prop, which is, you know, probably still a little bit low. But uh, moving forward here, I do think that he's definitely a spot where you're going to be kind of um, probably targeting his under, especially with Christian McCaffrey coming back. I think there'll be you know, a few weeks of adjustment where those player prop numbers aren't necessarily as sharp as they should be with how this Panthers offense is going to facilitate and function targets with McCaffrey back in the fold. So that's kind of what I've been taking my taking away from at this point in time. Sweet. We're going to jump now and look ahead to the Sunday slate in the NFL, look at our prize picks picks. But before we do that, I have to say no house advantage is taking a different spin on daily fantasy sports by offering player prop contests across the NBA, MLB, NFL, and PGA for cash prizes. This is an awesome new fantasy sports platform that's leveling the playing field and making it easier to win than uh, on traditional fantasy sports apps. Download the No House Advantage app and check out their daily prop contests without having to make a deposit. Play in a public guaranteed cash prize pool contest or create your own private contest with friends. Use promo code EDGE when signing up and they'll match your first deposit with up to $20 in free in free play. If your first time deposit is at least $10, we'll set you up with a free PFF Edge annual subscription. No House Advantage offers daily prop contests that include all types of player statistics. Featured player prop contests combine players of different positions across several statistical categories. Compete against users and track in real time as you climb up the leaderboard. Download the No House Advantage app now using promo code EDGE and they'll match your first deposit up to $20 in free play. If your first deposit is at least $10, like I said, at least $10, We'll set you up with a free PFF Edge annual subscription. All right, Ben, time to, in addition to No House Advantage, which is an awesome daily fantasy sports app that I encourage you to download to get your free PFF Edge annual subscription. Prize picks is something that you and I have been hammering of late. It is a very fun tool that you can go to. Go to prizepicks.com or app.prizepicks.com to check out. You get to pick two or three props. So, and they're fantasy points-based props. So Devontae Adams over under 24 and a half PPR points. Travis Kelsey over under 17 um, PPR points. You pick two or three of those in like a parlay, so to speak, and try and hit on those. Looking at the prize pick slate right now, Ben, where are you trending? Who are we taking this week? Yep, so you already mentioned it actually, but Devonta Adams under 24.5 fantasy points. I do feel like that's a little bit of a death wish, but our fantasy projections have him at just 17 fantasy points in the PPR setting. Um, in the theme of what I would say is week eight, the weather is looking kind of dicey at Lambeau Field. I think it's supposed to be about 35 degrees, 25 mile per hour. 
25 mile per hour plus wind uh, happening. So I still think he's obviously going to be heavily involved. He could see basically as much target volume as he could handle. But I think if he doesn't get in the end zone, this is going to be a really tough number for him to get over. Obviously, it's inflated based on last week's, you know, outlier performance. So I think especially if passing attempts are down for the Packers, I don't think that he's probably going to be able to get over this 24 and a half point total without getting, you know, in Enzo basically two times like he did last week. So I know the Vikings are bad. They're going to be down potentially four quarterbacks, everything else. But I think this is a spot where the Packers are probably going to be able to take control of the game early, run out the clock, um, you know, kind of do the whole Lambo in November, December thing, you know, a week or so early at this point in time. So I definitely like Devontae Adams under 24.5 fantasy points, but we'll see. I could get, you know, ran over by a train at this point in time as well as something like I mean, Minnesota, the, the, so. the thing that has me not leaning that way is that Minnesota's cornerbacks are absolutely dreadful. Jeff Gladney, right. Cameron Dantzler have given up a ton of yards this season. And I think Devontae Adams' target share right now is up there with the best in the NFL. I think you're going to be 24 and a half points, so is a lot. You're going to have to score a touchdown, maybe two, but he's going to get the volume is the thing. Like, the volume is not a question. You need other things to be concerns in this game for him to fall under. You need an injury, maybe. You need weather to be terrible. You need right. a handful of other things that aren't going in this game. But that's what betting the unders is about. There's That's where the market inefficiency is. People aren't baking in weather, injuries, that kind of stuff. Well, people are more concerned thinking about, like, Cameron Dancer's trash. Of course he's going to get 24 exactly. and a half points. So I think you can, uh, I think you can find some value there. Uh, well, something I'm looking at. And I know I don't bet a lot of overs here. Mike Renner, who I host the podcast, Two Foreign Drafts with Mike Renner. It's a rookies and draft prospects podcast. Always makes fun of me because I bet a ton of unders. But I'm going over here. DeAndre Swift at Indianapolis, over 12 and a half PPR points. Our projections, I think, have him at 13.8, right around that number. And we're seeing his snap rate increase kind of every single week. He's getting more volume. He's getting more touches in that Detroit Lions offense. And I think against Indianapolis, I think he could see enough volume to clear that number. I don't think he even needs to score necessarily to get the 13.8 because he's going to get involved as a receiver. Could rack up a decent amount of yards to get to, get to 13.8. But if he punches in a touchdown, I think that's a lock. I like DeAndre Swift over 12 and a half. Where are your thoughts there? I mean, I love it. Honestly, I have been tr looking for spots to fade this Indianapolis Colts defense. We have the yes. eighth overall in our opponent adjusted grades, which isn't necessarily great. I do think they get a lot more love than where we even have them ranked at. But um, another thing that I really like about this game, this is actually probably my favorite game um, from the DFS game stack perspective. I think our model sitting, the game total sitting at 50, I think uh, our model leaning it's definitely leading towards the over. I think Indianapolis is probably, you know, a decent favorite at two and a half points. Our model actually leans towards the Colts as well in that situation. So I do think getting Detroit, I think getting DeAndre Swift involved in the Detroit's passing game is definitely something that's going to happen. I've been pounding Adrian Peterson's under rushing yards and they've been coming to, you know, they've basically been paying that paying my mortgage at this point in time here uh, to start the season so from that perspective I think they absolutely have to get DeAndre Swift involved and like you said I don't think that he's actually he actually needs to get a touchdown to actually pay off you know what I would consider a decently low fantasy point total at this point in time so um, from that perspective I'm definitely buying into it because I think he could easily see he could easily have the type of game where you know he gets three or four receptions for 40 50 yards has another 50 or 60 basically and is basically right knocking on the doorstep for uh, getting over this fantasy point total so I'm definitely on board with that DeAndre Swift play i might even have to load him up in a few dfs contests after hearing that as well so there you go man let's there get it go. let's double stack here um what i, I have another a uh, player that i'm i don't know where to go here you know Tua tongue of is starting for the miami dolphins for the first time this year against the los angeles rams in south beach 
Devontae Parker, according to Price Picks, has a 12.0 PPR projection. I think we have Devontae Parker around 12.2 PPR points. But I think Parker is going to see a bulk majority of the Jalen Ramsey coverage. And I think this brand of offense in Miami is going to go from a roller coaster ride led by the beard and Ryan Fitzpatrick, where he's willing to throw downfield, willing to take risks, throw into contested catch situ- or contested situations like Dev- where Devontae Parker thrives, to a tongue to a tongue of my offense, way more conservative, low average depth of target, establishing Miles Gaskin. And even though I think they'll see a bad game script, I think Los Angeles will go up pretty early. I don't think the volume will be enough with Jalen Ramsey on the other side for Devontae Parker to clear this 12 number. I'm leaning under. Where are you on Devontae Parker? Yeah, it's def- Devontae Parker is definitely a high depth of target guy. I do I do think our matchup matchup chart basically has him facing off against Darius Williams more than Jalen Ramsey. I do think they basically graded the exact same, but they've been you know pretty solid in coverage. So I kind of lean towards the under as well um, for Devontae Devontae Parker. I don't know. I'm kind of I know everyone else is like, oh, this isn't the week for Tua. This isn't, you know, but I th- feel like I've been waiting so long that I just kind of want to be if I'm the only person buying into the Tua hype here in week one. I kind of want to get, you know, like plant my flag at this point in time and say Miami's going to play better than what people would expect at this point in time. So I think uh, maybe we get, you know, a little bit worse game script from the Rams side of ball than we're actually predicting. I don't know. But I mean, I've been a Tua fan since day one. I'm excited to see him on the field, and I do think even if he has, you know, a, de- a disappointing performance in his first start, that I do think that doesn't necessarily uh, indicative of what he's going to put forth in his career. So I'm excited for his prospects coming up, and I do think Miami uh, is kind of putting together a pretty sneaky good team down there, um, which I'm kind of excited for the direction that they're headed. So I don't know. I would lean this game Parker under, but I do think that the Dolphins' offense in general is probably going to be better than what people expect against this Rams defense. So. We'll see. I could definitely be wrong by that. But I got to give you one more. I'm going to ride one more under. I know you hate it. I just can't quit them. I had to get back on track here on Thursday night with my unders that came through for me. So I'm going to ride it one more time. But Juju Smith-Schuster, under 12.5. That was points. my pick. You're taking oh, my pick. I, I love I'm that taking a bird out of it. I mean, our base <laughs> projection is 10.2. He's just not that involved at this point. He has... Uh, probably this, basically the same target share on almost twice as many pass routes as Deontay Johnson. He's coming off by far his highest target total this season with 27% of the Steelers' targets in Week 7. Um, I don't know. I'm not really buying into that volume that he saw last week. Of course, he has the tough matchup against Marlon Humphrey, who uh, our matchup chart has a 17% advantage to. So, I don't know. What 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 do you think about this? Obviously, you're going with the Juju Smith under as well, but uh, what why do you like it? What is what is popping up to you? There's, right there's two reasons here. There's two reasons here. The biggest one is, and I think you kind of hinted this uh hinted at this is he's not involved he's not a number one threat in this offense like that's that's point blank he's not a number one threat in this offense i i he deontay johnson is ben roethlisberger's favorite receiver and then some and i know deontay johnson is like you know battling back from the injury he suffered this past week but i do think he suits up and i do think he sees the lion's share of the targets then you throw in the marlon humphrey composition who's going to be way more in the slot where juju smith schuster normally roams i don't think he's going to get a ton of separation this week against baltimore you add in the final fact here that i think November, it's November 1 this game is getting played. We are getting classic AFC North, nitty-gritty, cold, wet football. It's going to be a low-scoring affair where you're not seeing either team really rack up a ton of points through the air. I, I, that's why I could even look at James Conner's over on price picks at 15 and a half, you know, PPR points. Cause I think they're going to try and run the football, establish JK Dobbins, establish Gus Edwards, Gus Buss. 
I don't think you're going to see a ton of passing totals in this football game. Both teams have good secondaries. Both teams have good overall defenses. I love the under on Juju Smith-Schuster. I think we close at that. Close on just an absolute all-around agreement on Juju Smith-Schuster's under. Love that, Ben. Until next time. It sucks that we only do this once a week, Ben, because I think we crush these. But got to let the other guys cook. Make sure you tune in to every PFF Daily Betting Podcast. They are every every day with George Shahuri, Ben Brown, myself, Lee Sharp, Kevin Cole, Eric Eager, a ton of talent here at PFF. But until next time, Austin Gale, Ben Brown, the PFF Daily Betting Podcast.